You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, everybody. It's great to be here with you this morning and have a chance to share the word. Uh, I can't tell you how frustrated I have been with, uh, you know, this thing that's been going on. Uh, uh, I got shut down, and I was over in Israel uh, in my first overseas trip. I had multiple trips scheduled for the year, and uh, I had brought uh, about uh, 15 of our uh, pastors from Tanzania to take them through Israel. These guys teach in our Bible schools. We have uh, four, uh, four Bible schools up and running in Tanzania. And so these guys, I brought them over there and we just had an awesome time. These guys were like little kids running all over the place. Every time we get to a new site, they'd just run out there, you know, they just had such a good time. Most of them had never traveled on an airplane before. And uh, so that was an experience alone. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, we had a great time there. And as soon as that happened, we, and we started hearing rumors of something going on and we get back to the States and I have one week before I'm supposed to go to uh, Hungary to do a seminar at the Bible school there in Budapest and, and things just started getting worse and worse and I ended up canceling the trip and, and everything else was canceled after that. You know? So I have not had the chance to do a whole lot and I'm very thankful to get a chance to preach this morning because nobody's in, inviting me to preach. <laughs> Uh, but um, anyway, uh, God is good uh, all the time, isn't he? And uh, in spite of all that's going on, we have so much to be thankful for. And uh, this morning, I, I wanted to talk to you about a subject that I think is so critical, and that is the subject of prayer. And I want to talk about the power of prayer. It's a powerful tool that God has given to us. And I wanted to start by telling you a story uh, of what happened to me years ago when we moved to the Philippines. I uh, was pastoring Calvary Chapel of Banning, California there for a number of years, and the Lord took us to the Philippines, and I began this ministry of inductive Bible study and training pastors and leaders, and, and uh, uh, little did I know it was going to end up going all over the world, but I... Uh, anyway, we moved over there, and I'm going to, from island to island, and I'm doing seminars. They're usually week-long conferences, and we were just having great times training pastors and getting into the Word, and they were getting excited because I was giving them a tool that they could learn how to not only study for themselves, but then to teach others, and, and especially to teach through the Word systematically. And we feel that's so important to do, and I know you guys are blessed with that kind of teaching here all the time, but you understand it's rare around the world in churches. They just don't do it, and it's so important. So anyway, I'm getting ready to go to do a seminar on another island. I'm going to fly over there in the, the next day, so I, I got my bags packed and went to bed that night, and, and after falling asleep for a couple hours, I woke up, and I was just gasping for air. And I never had any trouble with my lungs. I never didn't have asthma or anything like that. But man, I could hardly breathe. And so I got up and, and, and I'm just praying and going, Lord, what's going on? And just touch me. And, and I wasn't getting any better. And so I woke my wife up and I said, "Hun, you got to pray for me. I don't know what's going on, but I can hardly breathe. And she prayed for me. My wife's quite a prayer warrior. 
And she interceded and kept praying. And finally, it eased off a little bit, you know. And I was able to go back to bed and slept for a little bit. But when I woke up that morning, my chest hurt. And I, you know, I go, you know, I just don't feel right. And I think maybe I better go see a doctor before I catch my flight, which was around noontime. So I was able to get in right away to see a doctor. He checked me out, ran an EKG on my heart. And he came back in and he goes, Pastor, I think you're having a heart attack. And we need to get you into the hospital right away. And I, I, I heard this little voice that said, don't receive that. Now, I am not an anti-doctor person. I appreciate them. Uh, many times I've had doctors travel with me to different countries. They'll do clinics and all kinds of things. I greatly appreciate the medical field. And I have a chiropractor who also travels with me a lot. So I really appreciate them very much. But there was something not right. And I heard that little voice, and I said, but doctor, I can't go to the hospital. I've got to catch a flight, and I've got 200 pastors going to be waiting for me to do a seminar. And he said, but you might die. And again, I heard that voice say, don't receive that. So I go, doctor, I, I really don't know what's going on. I'm very confused, but I'm going to go home, and I'll get back to you later. And I walked out of his office, and he was not a happy doctor. And so my wife and I, we just got down on our knees. We just started praying, Lord, what's going on? What's happening here? And, and after prayer, I just felt very strongly that I was supposed to just go, uh, go do my seminar. I felt the Lord saying, I'll take care of you. Go. So we did. I went out, and man, we had a great seminar. I didn't have any more trouble. I didn't have any breathing problems. And and uh, got back home, we were just rejoicing, and, and uh, I totally forgot about the whole incident until one month later, it'd take about a month to get a letter from the U.S., I got a letter from a lady that was in my church that I had pastored, and she was a prayer warrior. And uh, she said in her letter, Pastor, are you okay? She said, I, I was doing my laundry early one morning, and and." All of a sudden, I saw this picture of you in my mind, and it was like somebody taking your lungs and squeezing the air out of them, and it bothered me so much, I just started interceding for you. I knew something was wrong, and I didn't have a piece about it. I called our prayer chain, and we were all praying for you. Are you okay? And then she gave me the day and the hour that she saw, I believe, a vision from God. And it was the very hour, 16 hours ahead, I'd woken up gasping for air. And you can't tell me prayer is not a powerful tool. And, uh, you know, uh, after, after getting that letter from her, I, I began to think about it, what was going on? And so I decided to go to see a heart specialist. He ran a bunch of tests on me, and they all came out negative. He said, you're great. There's nothing wrong with your heart. And then we began to realize what was happening that day. It was spiritual warfare. And the enemy was trying to thwart me from going to do what God had called me to do. And the enemy is so powerful. And he can do so many things. And, and that's why we need prayer so much. That lady had no clue except in the spirit realm that something was wrong. And she began to pray and that prayer chain began to pray. And I believe God delivered me because those people prayed. And I'm so thankful 
that there's no boundaries to our prayers. They can go anywhere. And God can use you. He can use me as people come to our minds. And most of us had that experience where somebody came to your mind and, and in the middle of the night or something, you know, and you couldn't go back to sleep and you just start praying for them and interceding for them. But prayer is a powerful tool that God has given to us. And this morning we want to look at a text uh, in the book of Acts. And I did not know your pastor was going to teach in Acts. He didn't warn me. But uh, anyway, he, uh, I'm in chapter 4 here. So there's uh, so much in Acts. I love the book so much myself. But I wanted to share with you a prayer that the disciples prayed in a crisis time. Now, what had happened is you remember the story. Peter and John were on their way to the temple after Pentecost. And they were going to pray. And there was a lame man laying at the temple gates. And you know the story how Peter and John just suddenly stopped and focused on him. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he reached down and pulled the guy up and immediately we're told that he received strength in his legs. Now here's a guy that's never walked before. And the strength that he received enabled him to walk without learning to walk. And the Bible says he was leaping and praising God. Can you imagine that? A man that's never walked on legs now that he's leaping and jumping up and down. Incredible miracle. Well, it caused such a stir. Thousands gathered together and Peter preached a powerful message. And we're told that 5,000 men repented of their sins that day. Incredible outreach that day. And, and you would think the religious leaders would have been thrilled about a miracle, but they were anything but thrilled because they were preaching in the name of Jesus who they had just had, had Rome put to death. And they thought they'd got rid of him, and now they've just worked a miracle, and they can't deny it because it was on a guy that everybody recognized laying at the temple gates. And so yeah, they arrested Peter and John, you know, and they... They interrogated him. They threatened him. And, and they said, don't you preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And finally, they let him go because they were afraid of what the crowd would do. But they had power. They were kind of like the Supreme Court. These guys, they, they're really a powerful group of people. And they had the power to throw them in prison for a long time. And, and so that's the crisis situation that the disciples are in now. And uh, I love uh, verse 13 of chapter 4. Uh, when they're talking to the Sanhedrin, notice what it says. And when they saw the boldness of Peter, the they is the Sanhedrin now, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. Isn't that good news, folks? It, it, you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to go to Bible school. You just spend time with Jesus, and guess what? He'll use you. And he can use anybody that spends time with him. And, and so they, they threaten them uh, more, and then they let them go. And we pick up in verse 23 of chapter 4 the situation. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God 
who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the peoples plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand. The rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant that, that your servants, that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they assembled together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Join me in a word of prayer. Father, now as we divide these verses and look at in depth at what you're trying to teach us through these verses, Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, help us to hear what you have to say to us. And so, Lord, I just commit this time to you, ask your Holy Spirit would be indeed our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to look at four areas as we work through this text. And the first area we're going to look at is what the disciples did in their crisis time. Secondly, we're going to look at how they prayed in this crisis. Thirdly, we're going to look at their view of God. And boy, I tell you folks, this is so important, what their view of God was. And then fourthly, we're going to look at the results of this power prayer that they pray. And so first of all, I want you to notice what the disciples did in verse 23 in this crisis time. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So what did they do in this crisis time? Did they go hide somewhere? Did they go off and say, man, this is really serious. These guys, they can throw us in prison and we can be locked up forever and and it's a horrible situation, and they could go hide somewhere. And a lot of times, you know, that's the devil's tool. When you go through a crisis, to go hide somewhere. And so often the church does that. It, it runs off instead of doing what the disciples did. It says, they went to their own companions. They went to the body of Christ. Who do you turn to in a crisis time? Well, you see, God's given us a body here, and these are the people that he wants you to turn to. Isn't it interesting what's happened in this pandemic? People are not turning to the body of Christ. The church is not turning to the body of Christ. The church has fleed in many directions. It's so amazing for me to, to hear from pastors all over the world that more than half of their congregations since the pandemic started have not returned to church. And you know, that's exactly what the devil wants. He doesn't want you to turn to the church because there's support in the body of Christ. We need each other. And it's so critical 
that we come back together. I understand if you get, uh, get infected, you need to stay away. And, you know, there are certain precautions. You know, when we went through flu epidemics, you know, when you get the flu, you don't go anywhere. You stay home until you get better. You know, common sense. But somehow uh, everything has happened in a way that common sense has gone out the window through this. And people are fearful. And you and I have not been given a spirit of fear. But we've given, been given a, a, a power and love and a sound mind. And, and we don't have to allow fear to grip us and control us. And so we need the body of Christ. We need to turn to one another because that's where the support is in a crisis time. And the body of Christ has been separated by the enemy. And then I want you to notice next how the disciples prayed in their prayer. So it says in verse 24, so when they heard that, you know, they, they shared everything with their companions. So when they heard what had happened in the situation, it, it says that they lifted their voices to God in one accord. So how did they pray in this crisis time? Well, they prayed together. They focused on this situation. And as they focused on it and as they prayed, there was power in their prayer, as we will see as we go through it. But you see, you, when you pray, you have to learn to focus together. And I found today that there's a big problem when we often get together to pray. I don't know about you, but I, I, I grew up in a church that really prayed a lot. We'd have a prayer meeting every Wednesday night and... and uh, you know, we'd be given the list of all the prayer requests and, and there's a guy in the front row and he would always pray these beautiful prayers. they just flow. And he'd go on for 20 minutes and he covered all the topics. And I'm sitting in the back and I'm going, there's no way I'm opening my mouth because I could never pray like this guy. And I found those kind of prayer meetings don't work. And the reason they don't work is because we're not praying in one accord. We're not praying together. We're not focusing on that. You know how we talk together? We talk topically. You bring up one subject. You know, the weather. Man, it's, it, it's sure been cold lately. And yeah, that rainstorm. We got some great snow in the mountains. And somebody else says, yeah, you know, the, uh, uh, I've, I've had to cover my plants because it's been so cold. And, you know, you talk about the weather. And then you switch to another subject. That's the way we talk. But for some reason, when Christians get together to pray, they don't do that. They'll say, Lord, I thank you for the, the weather you've given us. And Lord, I pray for brother so-and-so. I just ask that you would help him, Lord. And, and uh, Lord, I, you know, there's some sick people in the church. And they go on and cover a multitude of topics. And there's very little praying together. And what I found is if you will pray topically, like the way we talk with one another, you bring up just one subject at a time. And you pray, keep your prayers short, and then give room for other people to pray. And, it, and it, it's amazing when you pray that way, 
how the Holy Spirit works as you're focusing on that one need. And I have seen many times where the Holy Spirit has given somebody a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge how to pray for that person that they wouldn't have known. And it's because they're focusing one thing at a time. And I really want to encourage you, the next time you get together with somebody to pray with them, just focus on one thing at a time. And you're going to find it's a powerful way to pray. And so the disciples, we know that they prayed together in one accord. Now, I want you to notice their view of God in their prayer as they begin to pray together. Notice it says, Lord, you are God. That's a good starting point. Who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. So what's their view of God there? Well, they recognize that they're talking to the creator. And you know, the creator is pretty big, isn't he? You think about what he's created, this whole world. You think about every person in this room. He created you distinctly different from everybody else. It's incredible all that God has put in every human body. He's the creator. And do you understand when you talk to the creator, he's not limited, is he? There's so much that he can do unless I limit him. And you see, many times we limit God because we don't look at him as the creator who made everything. And I'm so thankful that I can talk to the Creator. Have you talked to Him this morning? Isn't that amazing? The one who made it all, you can talk to and you can have fellowship with. And so they viewed God as the Creator. Secondly, I want you to notice, is this who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the peoples plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. Now, what's their view of God there? Well, they view God as a God that speaks through his word. Do you believe that God speaks through his word? God has given us his word. And so when they prayed, they were praying right from scripture because they're quoting from Psalm chapter two, verses one and two. And did you know when you pray, it's a, it's a powerful way to pray, to pray scripture verses. I love that. I, I love the ones that Paul prays where he goes, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you'd know the hope of his calling, the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the saints. He goes on and on. Beautiful prayers. And there's some great prayers you can pray right from scripture. But they prayed them from scripture because they viewed God as a God who speaks through his word. And that's so important for us to understand. I was on a, a trip to Russia and uh, I, this was the first time I had been in going, gone into Russia. This is in 1991. And God spoke to me very powerfully through his, 
his word. But uh, I had just gotten back from the, from the Philippines, and we felt God was moving us into different directions. And, uh, and so I'd been waiting on the Lord for a few months, uh, moving back here in Southern Cal, and, and I got a call from Pastor Chuck from Costa Mesa, and he said, could you come to a meeting that I'm having with Dr. Bill Bright in Campus Crusade? Uh, they want to talk about Russia, and there's just some uh, uh, great opportunities that are going on in Russia right now that are showing the Jesus film over there, and they think literally millions of Russians were converting to Christianity. And so uh, uh, I, I went down to this meeting, very excited, you know, and uh, Dr. Bright shared with uh, Pastor Chuck and myself, and there was uh, Greg Laurie and several other Calvary pastors there, not a lot, and you know, it was just an amazing time as we heard what God was doing through Campus Crusade in the, watching the Jesus film and, sh and playing it on television all over Russia. And the, Dr. Bright said, you know, Pastor Chuck, we really are having a hard time working with the existing churches because they're not open to new converts. And we have so many people coming to Christ. And we need churches that will be open to work with, with new converts. He said when a lot of people try to go into a church there in Russia, uh, they said instead of walking them with open arms, they interrogate them. And people don't feel real welcome when they get interrogated. He said we need churches that will just open our, their arms to people. And, you know, in that time they were very much afraid of the KGB and other things that were going on. But the, but the, com the wall was crumbling at that time. And so uh, anyway, he said, Pastor Chuck, we need churches like Calvary to go in and plant churches all over Russia. And he said, can you help us? Well, Pastor Chuck just sat there. He didn't answer. And, and then he started staring right at me. And I tell you, I really got uncomfortable. You know. and, and finally he goes, Dan, I want you to tell Dr. Bright what you've been doing in the Philippines. And, uh, and so I, I shared how we were training pastors and leaders and teaching them how to study the Bible inductively and then how to prepare their sermons and to teach through the Bible systematically. And when I got done, Dr. Bright said, well, that's exactly what we need to happen, what needs to happen in Russia. And Pastor Chuck looked at me and he says, well, Dan, when can you go? <laughs> and so before I left, Dr. Bright said to me, anything you need, let me know. Here's my personal number. Feel free to call me. And at that time, Campus Crusade lived up uh, in Arrowhead Springs there, San Bernardino. And uh, I live very near that in Redlands area. So um, I said, I'd be, I'll, I'll get back to you, you know. So anyway, uh, I prayed about a time to go, and it came December, December 1991. So I called Dr. Bright, and I said, I'm getting December that I need to go. And uh, Dr. Bright goes, oh, Dan, that's a terrible time to go. All of our staff in, in Russia leave during December because of Christmas. And uh, why don't you go back and pray some more about another time? So I did. I prayed some more, you know, and it kept coming back December, December. And so I called Dr. Bright and I said, hey, I keep getting December. He says, okay, well, come on over to my office and let's pray together. And so we did. And he said, I wish I could help you, but we'll be praying for you. And so I had no contacts. So I get on the airplane now. I'm flying to Russia. And as I'm on the airplane, I'm reading from my Bible. And I was reading out of Isaiah chapter 42. 
when verse 16 jumped at me. It says, I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked places straight. These are the things I will do for them and not forsake them. And folks, I knew that I was the blind guy. I understood the context of this. It was written to the children of Israel rebelling against God. But I knew this was a message from God to me, that he was going to guide me. And so I get into Russia, and the only thing I know is I got one guy picking me up who speaks English, and he's going to drop me off at a hotel, and after that I'm on my own. And so I'm dropped off at these hotel uh, they built for the Olympics. There are three huge towers, and, and they take me up to this middle hotel uh, tower, uh, about the 30th floor, and I get off, and I'm walking down the hallway, two doors before my room. There's a door open, and I, I, I heard guys talking in English, and so I stopped and listened to their conversation, and I could tell they were Christians, so I stuck my head in the door, and uh, I introduced myself, and and uh, they said, oh, uh, we're from Campus Crusade. We weren't supposed to be here, but uh, we had a problem, so we had to meet before we could go back to the States. And, and uh, I shared with them how I met with Dr. Bright and what had happened. And they said, oh, yeah, we got a lot of contacts for you. And they set me up. And that was the beginning of God bringing our ministry and then, of course, uh, uh, Calvary Chapel to uh, Russia. And God began to work in an incredible way. But folks... I believe that God speaks through his word. And it's a powerful tool. As you look at his word and know how to pray, he's going to show you. And so first we see that God is a creator. They viewed God as a creator. They viewed God as a God who speaks through his word. And then thirdly, look now at verse uh, 27 and 28. For truly against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. What was their view of God there? Well, they believed that God was in absolute control of their circumstances. Do you believe that God is in control? Yes. 